Hi, everybody, and welcome again to the Grok Science Show. I'm Samantha Thomas. I'm Chanan Zhang. And I'm Courtney Kagan. And today, we have a fun show for you on the health benefits of pet ownership and how dogs, in particular, can play a role in improving health outcomes for people. Pet ownership has long been associated with various metrics of human health. Intuitively, pets can improve health by encouraging exercise and providing companionship, which has been known to track with positive physiological measures such as cardiovascular and mental health indicators. Um, this can actually save countries a lot of money. Um, Austri Australia in the 90s estimated that pet ownership sh saved the country $998 million a year, <laughs> which is pretty wow, significant. And I think it would probably save the United States even more, seeing as we spend a large portion of our national health, uh, our national budget on health. So a quick question for sure. everyone first. Uh, what's everyone's pet history? What have everyone had? So I'll start. So I've only ever had hamsters for pets. I've always wanted cats and dogs, but we've always lived in an apartment and my parents never really went for the idea. What about you guys? So, um, I have actually only had reptiles, <laughs> turtles, and lizards, which have not, I will say, encouraged me to exercise. <laughs> what about you, Courtney? So I've actually had um, a dog and a cat two different times in my life, so I definitely would say the dogs get you out and active, <laughs> taking lots of walks, for sure. Well, yeah, I wonder if jealous. the companionship aspect really only relates to mammals. I mean, I just don't really feel that much companionship from Aww. reptiles. I mean, like, they still run away for every... I've had my turtles for 20 years now. Every time I walk in the room, they jump off their rock and try to swim <laughs> away from me. I'm the only human they've ever known, and nothing has ever bad happened to them, so Maybe I'm, a, I'm kind of offended. that's the component you're supposed to chase after them. They, <laughs> they're too slow they're for you to get any cardio. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I guess it does, it, all of these results probably do depend on your pet. So uh, what are some of the positive things that uh, at least scientists have looked at specifically in their research. Why don't you start with some of the things you've found? Okay, well, um, so um, in the 80s, 1980s and 90s, um, a couple studies were published about the ability of canines to detect cancer. Certain alkanes and aromatic compounds are pre often present in cancer tissues, and dogs with their 22 million olfactory receptors compared to our 50 million are much better suited to do it than we can. It's kind of a funny idea because, you know, I don't think any of us could even dream about smelling cancer, yeah. but dogs are um, live in a completely different olfactory world. So the research was kind of buried for a while, but in recent years, the idea has resurged um, in the same way that they use dogs to detect bombs and drugs. It's been proposed that they can also detect cancer. Um, a recent study found that they, I think this was at Duke, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. that, they, that dogs can detect prostate cancer with 98% accuracy from urine samples, which is, I mean... That's the amazing. PSA yeah. tests are pretty inaccurate, um, and yeah. even it's controversial whether people should even get PSA tests. So it would be interesting though if if they could train the dogs to be able to discern if it's a pretty um, mm. not a severe level or not level, but I guess uh, cancer 
benign or malignant exactly yeah they have the ability Uh, maybe that's asking too much for it (laughs) that's a good question i don't know if they looked at that in their study but but you would imagine that if you could train dogs to do pretty complex things like detect bombs although i guess that is just a positive negative as opposed to malignant there's no benign (laughs) bombs (laughs) (laughs) this is true um so question how far away do you think we are from making some sort of machine or digital way to mm-hmm. essentially do the sniffing that the dogs are doing. Right. Yeah, so some people think that that this research is only a step in something that can actually be translated to the clinic, and the next step will be using mass spec or some other protein detection method to determine what compounds these dogs are actually detecting. Mm-hmm. So it's unclear whether we will be able to recapitulate the dog's ability with machines. Um, but definitely some people think that because, you know, there's some disadvantages to using dogs. <laughs> and, and the other thing is that um, sometimes n- some of these studies have been done with only a couple dogs. It's unclear how scalable this is. Um, one dog at UPenn, for instance, has over a 90% accuracy rate in detecting ovarian cancer from tissue samples. Wow. Um, and another study um, just keep listening off studies was a 2011 study and um it turns out that dogs can detect lung cancer i think also from tissue samples with a sensitivity of 71 percent and a specificity of 93 percent so um the other studies besides these have also found promising results some of them are um limited as i said by small sample sizes of dogs and um but one thing that is potentially not limiting is the the amount of time it takes to train these dogs for a lot of these um it took on the order of six weeks to train the dogs which is not really a limiting factor um even though you might think it would be but um so that's a lot about dogs what about those cats what are they (laughs) Uh oh tell us why we should care about cats (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i mean i'm just wondering because um are cats not as well studied for doing these kinds of things because have you ever tried to train a cat that's what i'm saying okay that's what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't think so although i think um there is a this is not science related but there was a video that went viral last week of a cat that chased off a a dog that was attacking a little kid i don't know if you guys saw that i did not see that kind of crazy you don't really expect cats usually to have the kind of temperament to be was it a man coon no, it's a kitty cat, like a house cat. Well, mancoons are ha- they're they're house cats, but they've oh. been known to have like dog-like quality. It ha- they have really it. long fur. They like peanut butter and they like water. Which, if you guys <laughs> know anything about, no, cats hate water. They like swimming. Oh, oh you mean swimming? Yeah, okay. they don't like drink. <laughs> More than the average cat. More no. than the average cat. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> so do one of you guys want to talk about? Um, I guess I'll I'll go next. So, as I said, I've never had a cat or dog growing up, but I always really loved going to my friends' homes and playing with their cats or dogs. But unfortunately, (laughs) I've noticed that every time I go to their house, I would have uncontrollable sneezing and runny nose and watery eyes. So this is really sad because I, I love the cats and dogs, but my immune system does not. So it turns out Some scientists uh, recently have found that children who lived with dogs and cats are less likely to develop allergies um, to those animals later in life, Mm -hmm. but only if they're exposed to cats or dogs when they're still infants. So one study showed that 
compared to babies, so compared to babies who were born in cat-free homes, those who grew up with cats are half as likely to be allergenic to them as teens. So that's pretty impressive. In dogs, though, the protective effect is only seen in boys, but not girls. And it's kind of unclear to researchers why. Mm -hmm. um, but as for why we see this phenomenon, researchers suspect that early exposure to allergens help accustom one's body to recognize what is harmful um, and what to kind of set a baseline profile for um, allergens. I'm pretty sure it's because boys like roll around in the mud with their dogs, <laughs> whereas girls just like pet them from a distance. <laughs> yeah, so, well, so I guess if this trend, er, you know, were true for me, then um, the protective effect for dogs would not be helpful to me, being that I am a girl. So, <laughs> <laughs> wait, you did not grow up with a dog, though. Yes, but um, as I said just now, for dogs, the protective um, effect of yeah. having been exposed to them um, gets only seen in boys. But do women get more allergies, by the way? I have no idea. Because I feel like they do from the women that I know. Not sure. I know, I mean, for different immune type diseases there's definitely a sex mm -hmm. yeah. imbalance um that Lupus. women get more autoimmune auto disease which so would, would make me too. think that they yeah. i wouldn't be surprised yeah but i don't think any of That's us really know i know there's a, a classical um allergy march mm -hmm. when kids are allergic to different things at different stages of their life okay um and i i think that maybe is more common in boys I'm not. A, I don't know too much about that. What stage in their life are they most? So when they're when they're really young, they're allergic to specific things. Um, like maybe some are peanuts at some point, and some are other things. But it's just it, their allergies change throughout their life. I mean, everyone's yeah, allergies yeah. change throughout their life. But I guess it's a specific type of allergies is a known pathway. That's really that, interesting. That are pretty common. I wonder what it is about the immune system at that time that the development of the immune system must just make you susceptible at that time. Yeah, and that is actually one of the points of the researchers in this study is that it is very time sensitive, so mm -hmm. it has to be the exposure within a certain period, a window, um, and outside of that there's not much difference. But everyone, don't just go run, I'll run out and buy a cat or a dog to make sure that your kids are going to be allergy-free because this is only one study out of several, and actually there are some mixed findings. So another study actually showed that pet exposure at infancy increased the risk <laughs> of allergies. So, but yeah, don't, don't get rid of your cats or dogs because you're <laughs> concerned about allergies. This is a, uh, an ongoing study. Hmm. And actually... One thing that was mentioned was that there could be com potential confounders in this study. So confounders are what we call factors that may be creating an association that's actually not due to causal reasons. So for example, in this case, um, if you have parents who have allergies and, and they may tend to not have cats or dogs in their home, and due to genetics, their children mm -hmm. may be more likely to be allergic to cats and dogs as well. So the fact that children who don't, who are not so children who are homes that don't have cats and dogs also tend to have allergies may not be because of that causal reason, but because of a genetic yeah. reason, because their parents mm -hmm. don't, um, are allergic as well. So it is important to keep these things in mind when looking at these types of studies and the associations that they find. Do you guys know anybody who lives with pets despite their allergies? <laughs> because I know a couple of people like that, you yeah. do. Yeah, I mean, my brother-in-law, they they've had two cats for 
20 years, you know, different cats for 20 mm-hmm. years and so, and he's really allergic and he just oh. takes his medicine every day. He loves them That's so much that love. it's, you know, not an issue at all. Yeah. So people do it. Yeah. Yeah. And in, um, I think for cats, um, young kittens don't produce as much uh, allergenic compounds. Mm-hmm. And so I think what causes the allergy, the symptoms in humans is the dander that's in mm-hmm. the skin and saliva of cats and dogs. And apparently in kittens, they don't produce as much of these allergens, mm-hmm. which is kind of, so it could be kind of a double-edged sword because when when you first get a kitten you might not realize that you could be allergic to them and they're so cute you know and then (laughs) as they get older and you maybe if you're allergic you'd start developing some of these symptoms and then you can just be a serial kitten owner (laughs) (laughs) pass them on no don't do that (laughs) make sure to unless you're a trainer then you can do that yes (laughs) trainer of cats i forgot yeah cats can't be trained (laughs) be a fosterer Yes. 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 Good foster kittens. Mm-hmm. Foster kittens. Yeah. yeah. Courtney, what you got for us? Well, so speaking of summer, Chicago beaches are opening on Memorial Day, and I have a little mm. story about mm-hmm. how dogs are helping, well, could help keep beaches cleaner from E. coli breakouts. Oh. So some recent work from researchers from the Central Michigan University was presented at the annual meeting of the American Society for Microbiology. And in their work, they showed how border collies were actually effective at reducing goal congregation and subsequently lowered E. coli abundance in the sand. So it's it's pretty interesting. I mean, on, obviously there are multiple reasons why there's E. coli in the sand at the beach, um, but hole droppings are known to be one of those things. So using dogs to kind of prevent and lower the amount of E. coli is pretty cool how dogs are helping humans stay healthier. I didn't even know goals got you had e coli i mean do all animals just have e coli and they well, lower gi yeah i think so and apparently one third of the e coli that they tested from these goals were antibiotic resistant oh wow. my god yeah. so how are goals getting antibiotics <laughs> i mean you do hear about you know sewage and and things that go down our toilet maybe when if they're not and then what how treated. do they get to the goals in the water. Yeah. Drinking uh, stuff. <laughs> drinking in the water. Okay, I don't know. I don't want to spread <laughs> Lake any Lake Michigan yeah. has that much, <laughs> that high of concentration of antibiotics that it's a fucking oh, no goal. Idea. That is wild. So, I don't know. actually, so I go out to the lake sometimes. And recently, well, not recently, but last year, I went surfing on Lake Michigan. Nice. And I always make sure to check. Uh, there's a website you can go to to check to make sure that the, the bacteria levels in the water are not too high. And uh, so I do think about that more with surfing in fresh water than mm-hmm. when I used to surf in Texas, where mm-hmm. it's salt water and you don't have to worry about some of the same uh, bacteria that's in the water. I didn't even yeah. think about that. So yeah. bacteria aren't really a problem in salt water? Is that uh, the case? Well, not the same type that you would be worried about in fresh water. Like, there are some freshwater microorganisms that can give you really nasty brain infections. So oh, it is good to check that website. Oh, I wish I could. Yeah. I need to pull up the, the link. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. That's going to be really important this year, actually, because so last year, Chicago banned swimming 36 times mm -hmm. because of E. coli counts. But this year, they are completely changing that, and they're no longer going to ban swimming. The city, based on E. coli counts, it's self-imposed. Oh. So it's going to be really important that people actually do check the yeah. E. coli or bacterial levels before they venture into the water Absolutely. because Chicago is not going to... It's not like there's going to be a sign that yeah. says don't do this. Yeah. Unless, unless they post a sign that says E. coli levels are high oh. today. They are going to be posting in 16 of of 24 beaches, mm -hmm. so... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's see. What else with cats and dogs? So, what are some of your experiences growing up <laughs> with cats and dogs? What are some differences? Because everyone talks about the personality differences. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've always had really independent cats, so they haven't been the traditional really needy, lovey cats. Okay. Um, kind of the rough and tumble cats, but... Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's real benefits to both cats and dogs. I mean, the dog we have right now is a husky. Mm -hmm. She's really cute. So she needs a ton of exercise. Yeah. Um, and then my cat now need, actually needs a ton of playtime, too. So they definitely are keeping you really active. And at the end of the day, when you come home or you've had a bad day or something, it's oh, really nice to have there. them. And they're just, you know, they love you no matter what. That's right? great. So yeah. that's always really nice. And also, so one of the things about the personality differences that people kind of generalize between cats and dogs can go back to the evolutionary environments. Uh, so with dogs, they evolve from, well, they're the same species as wolves. Wolves hunt in packs and they, they're much mm -hmm. more social. So the idea is the reason dogs are more friendly and personable is because that's one of the traits that yeah that they need to be in a pack with other creatures together to mm -hmm. get food and to protect each other from yeah. um, other They're used enemies, to that social right? structure. Whereas cats yeah. maybe are more, um, they, they, do they hunt on their own? I'm not sure. Well, lions. Well, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say lions. Mm. Don't they hunt as a pride? But Yeah, but there are other cats maybe mountain lions or something that I think they can go both can go, ways yeah. they're happy being solitary too mm -hmm. and so so why I, I I heard anyway that you know a lot of the reason why dogs are so docile um, is because we've selectively bred them to be mm -hmm. docile mm -hmm. but why haven't we done that with cats <laughs> <laughs> I mean it, are there just are there just kind of two sorts of pets that people like to have one of them is more of an independent pet and one of them some people like to have that, and some people like to have a more, yeah. like, loyal, lovey-dovey pet, you know? Because presumably you could have bred cats to be more loyal right. and easily trained. But uh, one of the, I mean, with cats, generally you think of maybe being a good mouser or not. So cats that can, on their own, catch the mice or rats or other pests in the household, maybe that was originally the purpose of keeping mm -hmm. them close by as opposed to... With dogs, with companionship yeah. or hunting. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, I actually think that might be the reason that rings true for some reason. Yeah. I think also, even though it's not as apparent in cats, the whole behavior and how we're kind of selecting out for different behaviors, mm -hmm. I must say, because I've had some experience with feral cats, Mm -hmm. They're a whole different type of behavior. I mean, there is a big difference between a house cat and a feral cat. And trust me, the feral cat doesn't like you. It doesn't <laughs> want to be around you. Is that, is that, so are there breeds that are feral or is that like the way that 
I guess, like, if that cat was raised in a house from youth, mm-hmm. would it have been just, like, a normal cat? or? Yeah, I, it does definitely depend on when they get into a house. Yeah. You know, so if they're rescued from the streets when they're a kitten, they can be rehabilitated. <laughs> um, so, but once the cat's older, and if it's been feral and out on the street its whole life, it's really hard to go back. That's but I think specific breeds also are more likely to be so like the main coons or some mm-hmm. of those that are more closer to yeah. relatives which are wild cats i think are more okay, likely to have behavioral yeah because you'll probably issues. never see a hairless cat <laughs> running around wild outside right oh, yeah. they're so expensive that's why um I, this just made me think of a show that we should totally do um which is medication for your animals oh, so some people yeah. whose animals have behavioral problems actually treat them like children who may have behavioral problems and the animals go to behavioral therapy and take some psychoactive medication. I actually have a friend that has pets that do take medication for separation anxiety when the owner is gone during the day to work. Do you know what drug it is? I have no idea. I don't even know if they can use similar (laughs) drugs as in humans. I've, I mean, even people we know, I know that their cats are on like Prozac or something. Oh, so is it literally Prozac though, or I is it know. is that just like a gesture to call it Prozac? <laughs> Maybe it's the cat equivalent of Prozac. Yeah. We could ask them. Yeah. <laughs> the true. other thing, um, speaking of my the same friend that had the medicated dog, so people say that pet owners and their pets start to resemble each other whether it's oh, because they pick the yes. the same animal or not or a similar animal or they just become more similar to each other but my friend had found out that she had some thyroid issues and then she ended up having hyperthyroidism well it turns out that her cat had also been displaying some symptoms of hyperthyroidism wow. and they actually ended up finding out that 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 it's was really the case crazy. so it was actually yeah so she had quite expensive vet bills like that year iodine in their water you can't <laughs> hyperthyroidism i mean it's not conta- it's not like it's contagious between people how could it possibly yeah. be contagious between an animal and a human I wouldn't say that it was a a contagious thing. I mean, I don't know how common hyperthyroidism is in other mammals in general. It's possible that maybe animals could show certain uh, or display certain um, diseases that maybe are not necessarily (laughs) diagnosed because we're not (laughs) as up to speed on that. Actually, veterinary care in this country is pretty exceptional, so um, we're up to speed on certain things. Um, But I've definitely seen those images online of how pets start to resemble their owners and vice versa, (laughs) and it is striking. It really is. I'll I'll bring a picture of myself and my hamster from fifth grade (laughs) next time. Or myself and my turtle. God, I hope that's not the case. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. This has been fun. Once again, I'm Samantha Thomas. I'm Chenan Zhang. And I'm Courtney Kagan. All right. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.